have this thing where I feel like if I don't do it, then who's going to do it? There might be someone who will eventually come and do it, but then this moment in time will be missed. Hey there, this is Allison Jacobs, the host of the Creative Frame podcast, where I interview other photographers about their creative process and what inspires them. I am so incredibly excited to share this conversation that I had with Mercy Haruna with you today. Mercy is a portrait and documentary photographer dedicated to capturing the fleeting moments of family life. She focuses on stories that capture the beauty of the everyday, as well as those that dive into deeper conversations about the realities of motherhood. Her latest project, Offspring, aims to create space for Black mothers in the UK to share their stories related to the physical and psychological changes that come with the transition into motherhood. Mercy is so full of life and truth, and her passion for her photography really shines through as we talk. And we really cover some ground today, talking about topics from Mercy's current projects, the self-doubt we all feel as creatives, the importance of sharing the richness of life through her visual storytelling. I just know this conversation will leave you with ideas for digging deeper into the meaning behind your own photography and storytelling. And I would also love to hear your thoughts after you listen. So share with us on Instagram, tagging the podcast and Mercy. Here's the conversation. Hi, Mercy. Hi, Allison. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for jumping on with me. I know that it's a busy time for your family right now, but um, I just really appreciate you taking this time to chat with me today. You're very welcome. I'm excited to be here. So I would love to have you share a little bit about how you got into photography and what your biggest area of focus is right now. Okay, so my first real encounter with photography was in 10th grade. I think that's that's what it is for you. I took a darkroom class and I learned to process, to shoot, process and print black and white film. And it just, I kind of really, I really enjoyed it. I've always been artistic. So that was just another area for me to explore. I was more into performing arts before. I was a theater kid, musicals, you know, that sort of thing, dancing, singing was my thing. So that was my first real experience with the visual arts, you know, and I really enjoyed it. But coming from a, an African background, it, I didn't see it as something to take further than that. It was just, an, you know, a hobby or just a, an elective class that I took. But it, it really made an impression on me because when I did go off to college or university, I took a digital photography class this time and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I loved it so much. I went up to my my tutor and I asked her, she was a working photographer as well as a tutor, and I asked her, what is it like being a photographer? I mean, do you think it's something I could genuinely pursue? And she was very encouraging. She said, yes, if you want to do it, if you want to do it, go for it. And I thought, I really want to. <laughs> so I did. I went to an American university, actually here in the UK. Um, so I was, you know, in the first year when you do your liberal arts and um, that's, that's, that's why I took that class. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to switch university and, and focus more on visual arts. So I took a course called visual, visual communications, that was my BA. So I, I studied visual communication and that involved history of art, color theory, design, computer graphics, illustration, all sorts of things to do with visual, the visual 
arts and I really enjoyed it but I still knew that I wanted to focus on photography so I I concentrated I think I think you say major I concentrated on photography so my last year was very much photography projects exploring the different areas of photography advertising fashion documentary and you know various aspects of photography and then I went on to do another year of my master's in photography there's a whole story <laughs> that goes on from there but that's that's kind of briefly how that's my journey into photography so I know that I've seen you talk about shooting film before on Instagram, and mm. it sounds like that was that first exposure to photography, but then it sounds mm -hmm. like you really fell in love when you took the digital photography class. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it, it, I did. I guess it just showed me that it could be more than just a hobby. And I guess at, at 19, you're trying to figure out your place in the world and, and trying to understand what it is you're interested in. And I was always very into theater and always very into performing but this but I, I'm not I'm a bit introverted as well so this was photography felt like a middle ground somehow where I could I could still explore my my artistic side but I didn't have to be in front of I didn't have to be in the spotlight. Um, I think that that's what drew me to it. And again, because I hadn't mastered anything like drawing or painting, I guess it felt like the perfect thing to the perfect form of expression, if if that makes any sense. Yes, it does. And it's yeah. really it's really neat that you were able to try a lot of different genres of photography as a part of taking that coursework. Yeah, that was a really good course. Um, and I had applied to different courses, you know which were very much photography, three years of photography. But um, my mom was always, I think it's this African thing where they don't want you to corner yourself into a, a um, I don't know, I, I keep saying it's African, but it might just be a parent thing. Um, they don't want, to, want you to corner yourself into a job or a profession where it's going nowhere. So she wanted me to find something that would give me options. And I found that course and it was a course that just allowed me to touch and like do different things. And so I came out with a few different skills. So a bit of filmmaking, a bit of illustration, graphic design. So if I find myself in a very tight spot, then at least I have, you know, different skills I can draw from. Yes. And I think as photographers, we tend to feel like we have to really focus in on one niche area or one genre. And I agree that gives you that opportunity. If somebody asks you to do a certain kind of job, you would have the skills to do it, even if it's not exactly. your preferred area that you love to shoot the most. Exactly. But also it can influence your your work. You can draw inspiration from different... I, I encourage people to photographers not to look at just photography you should be looking at painters and and sculptors and dancers and you know draw your inspiration from the world around around you and you don't have to sort of like zoom in and focus just on photography I think that's a bit that will sort of narrow your vision of the world a little too much. <laughs> yes, that's a really great point too. And I even think some of the other classes you mentioned, like the color theory, I love your black and white documentary work, but yet when I look at your color work, wow. I mean, they're both <laughs> equally beautiful in different ways. And I can see you. that you have that influence from being able to bring different pieces together and how that might show up in your work. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> 
I love the way that you capture like the in-between moments of your, your life. It's so beautiful. And there's so many layers to your work. And I think that those in-between moments show up throughout all of your different photography projects. As I looked at all of your projects on your website, I could kind of see a thread there. I would love to hear a little bit about what you look for when you're picking up your camera and if it changes depending on that subject or that project that you're working on. So I've found, and this might be subconsciously actually, that I'm very drawn to, like you said, the moment in between. So if, for example, I were posing someone for a portrait, I'm less interested in the moment where they're looking straight at me and saying cheese. Um, I'm more interested in the moment they let their guard down because I feel like that's when I get the real person. And I think that translates to every everything as well. I'm not very, I'm not interested in in superposed and super finished anything. I, I I like to see details. I like to see things that tell me a little bit more about the story or the history of the subject or the place or, or whatever that I'm looking at. I don't necessarily approach it and think, oh, I'm, this is what I want to capture. I think I do it without even realizing. And it's only when I look back at, you know, like my website or my body of work, I realize, oh, there's a thread here. There's, there's this, it's, it's just what I'm interested in. And it's what I, I'm just consciously drawn to without even realizing. You have an eye for capturing that beauty in real life. I think one of the things that I have realized recently that inspires that is because growing up, we didn't have personal cameras. Um, my parents didn't have any personal cameras. So I, I'm very much interested in the moments that I've, I don't have to look back on of my own childhood. This is in, specifically in reference to the, the project that I, I, I've been doing with my, my children. I'm very interested in, again, like I have a lot, a lot of pictures of when you go to weddings or birthday parties, you know, milestone events and, you know, the occasional photo studio visits. But I don't have me and my parents interacting, me and my siblings interacting just on a normal day without, you know, cheesing at the camera. I missed that. It's what I really wish I had. And so it's, it's, it's what I've captured even without thinking. Like I said, it's only when I look back, I realize, okay, well, this is my subconscious in action. <laughs> yes. Yes. There's so much value in those everyday moments and, and it helps bring us back to that place. And so I love that your kids are going to have this huge body of work that they're going to be able to look back on. I didn't always appreciate that stuff. I remember when I was a teenager, I didn't, bother to back up anything and I lost a lot of things from my teens appreciate them a lot more now so when they get to my age I'm sure they definitely definitely will and you do a great job of getting in the camera as well how do you set that up most of the times it's the tripod sometimes it's it's you know on a bench or something if we're outdoors self-portraiture is actually one of the oldest forms of photography that I've practiced when I started you know with the digital photography class and stuff and I would get assignments I would then go back to my dorm room and practice, you know, on myself because I didn't always want to go find someone to practice things with. And so self-portraiture has always been part of my practice. And so I guess I'm, I, I do it now and it's stress, it's, it's not, not that it's stress-free, but it's, it's second nature. I think that's the word. It's, a, it's easy for me to just, you know, most of the time I have my camera on my tripod, especially when I know that today I really want to get in the frame. But again, I do have to consciously say to myself today, 
or this week or this month, I really have to get in the frame a little bit more because you do get used to being behind the camera <laughs> and weeks and months go by and I, I realize I'm not in, in any of these pictures. So apart from getting in the frame, like, you know, literally, I do also try to get in the frame in creative ways like sh shadows and reflections and things like that, or selfies. I, I'm not I'm not averse to selfies with my. There's, there's a shot I have in the in the project where it's my son's on my back and it's just a selfie in the in the mirror. And maybe on its own, it's not a fantastic artistic shot that belongs in a museum or anything. But in the context of of the projects and of of the, of the body of work, I feel like that image itself is is important because it really shows, you know, this was 2017 or 2018, and this is what life was like in 2018. You know, you had your iPhone 7 or iPhone 11 or whatever, and you you took selfies <laughs> in the mirror. <laughs> I think it's so important too to show that you're there. I made a couple of photo albums from some family trips that we did a few years back, and I realized that I was not in any of the photos. Like when I was going to edit the photos to put them into a photo album, it looked like my husband and my son went on a trip together because I was behind the camera. And so that moment on, I made, like you said, I do have to remind myself or make like an intentional effort, but I now hand even the phone over to my husband and say, nope, get a shot of us. Or all three of us try to get a, you know, get in the funny selfie together. It doesn't have to be a portfolio shot, but just I want to show I was there too, you know, like. Yeah, I think sometimes we think we need this, these like perfect, you know, perfectly set up shots. But again, since I'm very interested in the ordinary, it's very normal to take a selfie, you know, like that, you know, in the mirror, whatever. So in the context of the project, I don't mind a shot like that. It's for me, it's, it's, it's being real. It's, it's embracing what the real is about. It sounds like shooting those ordinary moments comes almost second nature to you now, yet you have beautiful composition and light and there are lots of layers. Are all of those pieces things that come naturally because you've been doing it for so long now? Or are there times where you might see the light shining down on the kitchen table and you grab your camera because of the light or because of the moment? What drives it first? Is it the moment or is it, are there other pieces that sometimes make you pick up your camera? It's a bit of everything, just like you said. So there are moments when I'm like, okay, I need to capture this moment and it's whatever it looks like, but I love light. I think you might've noticed I love light. So I'm always, especially like in summer I love contrast. So I'm looking forward to summer. I cannot wait for when the sun's proper shining and, you know, the lights and everything is, the shapes are beautiful. So yeah, I'm drawn to light as well. And yeah, the moment, it, it, it's just, it's whatever is happening in that time. And it's always a combination of things. I watched a, I think it was an IG story. It might've been an IG live that you shared where you had taken your kids for a walk in the neighborhood and you were kind of shooting behind the scenes. And then you were, you had shown photos that you, took as well. It looked like they were along for the ride and they were having fun with you and you guys really were just kind of out for a walk and but yet you had your camera. Is there a, a trick to that? Do they are they always cooperative like that or did it just happen to work in that moment? Oh, I think they're used to it. Um my daughter doesn't know any anything else because I started this project pretty much when she was born. So I, I don't think they know any different. <laughs> they used to it. I did have a moment. Was it last year? Yeah, last year, early last year, when my son. I did a an Insta. Uh, what do you call it? Insta story. And I posted it and, and it was getting lots of attention. I said, oh, look, look, Chitty, look, everyone loves your video. 
and he got really upset. He said, Mom, could you ask me next time before you post a video of me? And I thought, he's six. <laughs> Happens early. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, you know, and, and from that moment, I guess I, I just realized, hmm. I must cherish every moment that they let me take pictures of them now because they will get to a point where I'm just going to be the nuisance mama. But for now, they don't mind, you know, and I do try to, one thing that has come up a lot, I've spoken about a lot recently is the fact that I don't overshoot. And I didn't realize that I don't overshoot until someone was looking at my contact sheet and they said, oh, you're pretty decisive about the moments you want to capture, aren't you? Because they don't, there aren't repetitive images. And I thought, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I wait. I wait and I observe. And I don't mind missing certain things. I don't have to capture every single thing. Because when you live with people and you capture them every day, some things tend to repeat themselves. I don't know if that makes sense. So especially like during the pandemic, for example, we're walking the same places. The kids were wearing the same things sometimes. And, you know, so things like that will happen again. So I don't worry about missing them. Um, I think that's what's wonderful about doing a project like that with your kids. I might not be able to do the same for fam other families unless I'm spending like, you know, a long period of time with them. But yeah, that's that's the beauty of um of spending time, time to really sort of like observe and there is no rush in, in the process at all. Yeah. That is such a great point. And I don't think I've ever thought about it that way, but when you are documenting your own family, you're right. The moments do happen again. You're going to brush your teeth every day. Yeah. You're going to take a bath. Even things that you might want to capture, like one of the kids is upset about something, they're going to be upset again. Yeah. It might not look exactly how it does today, but it will be something that you can reference in the future and say, oh, look, you used to cry a lot <laughs> you know, when you were three. <laughs> and look at this picture. It shows you exactly what I mean. I wonder if shooting film as kind of your first entry into photography has helped you with that decisive moment. I think so. I think so. And um, it might also just be a personality thing, just because there are people who will still shoot film and blow through several roles. I guess it's what I'm interested in. I'm not so fussy about perfect moments. So if it means that I miss this today, then I can come back, back for it tomorrow, then, you know, it's fine. And I, I also, I, I hate to come back and have so many images to edit. It's just, I hate that so much because I know that half of the times I'll do nothing with them. But if I have five images that I really like, I'm more likely to do something with them. But if I have like hundreds... <laughs> They might sit there for a while. Yes. You know, I have other things to do than sit at my, my computer or my iPad editing all day. Yes. That's one of the reasons why I've moved almost all to film because I really struggle with forcing myself to sit down and edit the digital. And I have a lot of backlogs of years past where I maybe shot something and I'll go to look for a photo and I'll realize I never edited one image from that whole yeah. day that I shot. And it, it really is just the, the time that it takes to sit down and go through a huge set and pick those couple and then edit them and sometimes I even don't send it off for a while just because life happens and then it's an absolute surprise and delight when the roller film comes back several months late later and ah, oh, I love that feeling of like oh I didn't know I, it's excitement like oh I, I forgot about these images and you know it just brings back memories as well so it's like instant like you know 
going back and looking at the memories in a way that I, I think digital sometimes is too, the gratification is too instant. <laughs> what does that say about us? <laughs> I don't know, but it's it's it, it, it definitely is something that I've noticed with myself too. And I'm I'm a lot harder on myself if I see it right away because I think my expectations are higher. So if I shoot yeah. digital and I'm excited, I think I got the perfect shot that I love. And then it actually didn't turn out to be, but my expectations don't line up with the reality of what I actually end up with, then I'm more disappointed. And if I'm, if the film sits on my counter for two weeks before I mail it in, and then it, you know, spends a week in the mail and a week to get developed. And it's been a month since I shot the images, I'm much less likely to still have those expectations because like you said, life has moved on and I've forgotten. And so then when I see that, I'm like, oh, that's right. That was such a fun day. Or that was a fun moment. You're absolutely right. Yep. I know you have a really great parenting podcast on BBC, listen to one or two of your episodes, and that you also have your motherhood project. And so I'm just making a jump here that that is an important topic for you. And I would love to know more about your motivation to start your motherhood visuals project and a little bit about what that means to you. Okay. So motherhood visuals is, I I think it's less of a project and more of a collection of images. I'll go back a little bit and just kind of like finish up my history, my journey so far. So halfway through my master's, I got pregnant, got married, got pregnant immediately. <laughs> and I had hyperemesis gravidarum, which is um, severe nausea and vomiting in pregnancy. You need to have medication and drips and things like that for it. And I was really sick and I had to defer my studies and come back when my son was five months. Final project that I did with for that was actually just exploring my motherhood journey, this transition that I had made. And I guess that just started off the interest in documenting motherhood. And so I pretty much started my business right after that. I did some portfolio building, did some maternity shoots. Very, very quickly, I realized what I like to shoot. Again, even with the the motherhood visuals, as you can see from the selection, all of them aren't just like, say cheese, sort of like, oh, look at my bump, pretty bump picture, you know. Some of them are, but I think some of them are, most of them are sort of, again, the in-between. It feels like it's an alternative visual of the standard, normal maternity shoots. So that's that's what I, I was interested in. I would be booked for a maternity session and I would go in there and shoot what the client wants. <laughs> but then I would take my time to also take pictures of, of, of the sort of images that I wanted. And again, black and white is, I'm drawn to black and white since forever. I just sat down and was looking through my portfolio and realized, oh, look, <laughs> look at all these images I've made. And I decided to put them in a collection and, and post them on my website. Motherhood is really important to me. And recently an evolution is happening now where I'm going away from just taking pretty portraits and expanding my work into more sort of like telling real stories about what it's like to be a mom and, you know, moms of different ages, different backgrounds. I'm very much interested right now in Black motherhood, so Black mothers in the UK, because there are so many of our stories that we just don't tell because of culture, mostly because of culture, but, you know, a culture of silence, a culture of keeping things like that private. But with social media, it seems like more people are sharing these stories. And I feel like there's still a space for that work to be documented photographically. So that's where the the shift is happening now. So I'm going away from, again, beautiful portraits to more sort of like real and raw and deeper diving stories. I hope that answered your question. (laughs) Yes, it does. And I think it's a beautiful way to help give women a voice 
And like you said, especially Black motherhood, that's a voice that has been silenced and giving those women a place to share their story. And I love the idea of having the photo be alongside the story and and -hmm. digging in a little bit deeper. It's really good to be able to have a a place to tell stories of what's really going on, including health issues, because that's a big piece of of pregnancy that I think isn't shown if you're just seeing the pretty picture, because there are a lot of medical things that go along with being pregnant that we don't talk about. Having hyperemesis twice now, I know what those issues, those illnesses, those harsh realities of, of, of pregnancy, motherhood, postpartum can be. Um, so I feel like I have, first of all, I have the access to the mothers, which is a big thing with documentary is being able to access the, the people whose stories you want to tell. So I have the access because of blogging and because of Instagram and because I, I, I've been shooting maternity for a while. So I feel like it's almost, it's my mission. It's my job. It's my duty to, to, to share these stories. How do you find building trust with the women goes when you are going into those sessions? Is it something where are they hot? Like you, you mentioned that you take, you do take clients and they might be looking for a certain image, but you're also trying to get a couple of those photos that dig a little deeper through your artistic lens. But then I'm guessing that there could be this other sort of section of women where you're helping tell their stories. And so what does that look like? So what I found was even shooting like normal maternity, you know, the pretty pictures that women talk, you know, it's like suddenly, it's like when you go to the hairdressers and you're talking to your hairdresser. Suddenly I'm a therapist and and, and these women are, are talking to me and I'm like, oh my goodness. And I'm, I'm sharing in someone's um, story. I'm sharing in their joy, in, in their sorrow, in their struggle. And for a moment, I was a, a breastfeeding peer supporter. So that was something else that I was, I, I would come to a shoot and a mom would be like, oh, I'm struggling with breastfeeding or whatever. And we would start to talk about, you know, what can you do? And here's some tips and have you checked this out? And so, you know, like all my clients have all, all become my friends, not all of them, but most of them have become my friends. And um, we've, we've built a friendship and a trust. And like I said, I feel like it's my mission to help get some of the stories. There are some stories that just need to be told for their personal healing, but also for a collective healing and, and that we all know and understand that we're not alone. Um, you know, you know how motherhood is. It can be quite isolating sometimes. A lot of the times you can feel like whatever struggle that you're having is unique to you. Or even if you know that other people experience it, they're not close enough for you to be able to sort of like discuss with them or, you know, like unburden yourself and like share tips or anything. And um, I, th- I think just realizing that none of us <laughs> escapes this reality it comes in varying degrees some people have serious illnesses some people um cruise through pregnancy for example and then they get to breastfeeding and that's not working or you know they have some some issues with when during postpartum so we're all in this together and i guess it's that sort of like community yeah community through photography that i would i would like to to start to to build and to dive into a lot more Again, it feels like the more I do this, the more I don't want to just take pretty pictures and there's room for that. But it feels like I'm not the photographer to do that or just that anyway. 
hope that makes sense. <laughs> it does. And I, I think it's such a great point to make that there's space for all kinds of photography. And sometimes there are places where we fit in better than others. And so mm-hmm. there are going to be a lot of people who are going to love taking the beautiful picture um, in a field or in a beautiful location and showing off the beauty of what that pregnancy looks like. And then there's going to be somebody like you who really can have that connection and trust with the person and you can tell their story and you can help bring that to life. And just by the photos and the story alone, you're helping somebody else not feel so alone because they can yeah. see that and, and see themselves in those photos and see themselves in those stories and relate and have that resonate with them. And so I'm, I'm glad that you're finding that to be a place yeah. that is uh, fitting with where you are right now. Yeah. 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 It's so important. So I think speaking of that, building that trust and digging in deeper to the real stories, I feel like there's this warmth and joy that I see in your images. And yet you don't seem to shy away from the real emotions. So sometimes, you know, there might be tears and that's real life. How do you think that you balance kind of both of those things And is it just that you are looking for what's in front of you and you happen to be capturing real life, which we know encompasses all kinds of emotions? Mm. I think it's the the last thing you just said there. It's by virtue of of capturing every day, you will get a range of um, emotions and stories and quirky moments and, you know, just ordinary moments. But I'm a particularly um, very conscious of not, I, I want to show joy as much as I show sadness, as much as I show conflict and all of that stuff, particularly with photography that involves Black people. Um, I think there's a lot of images that are sad. A lot of images historically of, of, of Africa, for example, are po- poverty and sorrow. And, and I feel like it's important to balance the representation of of our lives we we are also ordinary people living ordinary lives and um for me being african and then migrating to the uk and then raising british children it's important for me to show the richness of our lives as well i don't i don't care for the single story <laughs> i want you to see us as as whole people yes we have moments of of, of sadness but also a lot of our lives is joy. A lot of our lives is ordinary, just eating and drinking normally, you know, being with friends uh, and, you know, and we're like, we're just like any other, other, other people. Our lives are rich. <laughs> there's, there's so much to us. I want to show every single, every facet, every face of that, you know, and um, I don't just want to do it for my family. See, I've been doing this for my family for a while, but I think that's opened my eyes to realize that I want to do it for for the community, for others as well. I want um, more representation of just us being us, you know. There's not enough of that, especially when it comes to family documentary. If you Googled or put in Pinterest or even on Instagram, documentary family photography, I'm sorry to say that the face of that is not inclusive and that's, I don't think that's, I wouldn't say that it's it, anyone's fault in particular. I think that family documentary is still new. Hmm. Is the word new. It's still, it's not as mainstream yet. People won't generally book you to just come and document a normal day. Most people want to document a birthday party or, you know, 
a christening or something. But when I come into that, then I try and, you know, document, like you said, the in-between moments. But I want to get to a point where we're documenting just a normal day, you know, not just for myself, but also for, 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 for other families, Black families, to be very specific. That's my mission. Yes, I think that is such an important and wonderful mission. And I think you're doing such a great job of using your own family to show what that could look like for other people. So hopefully if if somebody is considering or thinking about or has heard about documentary photography, and then they look at your work and they realize, oh yeah, I could see this. I could see how a day in my life, or I can see the value in that of having those moments for my family and for my kids. And like you said, to have better, more equal representation of what those moments look like, because you're right, we're all complicated. We all have the ups and downs and and there definitely needs to be more representation. So I think that's such a great um, area that you're hoping to grow more into. Yeah. And also I just feel like I'm better placed. I'm in a good position to do that. Like I have the relationships established. I have the the heart for it. So bringing all that together, I feel like, I feel like almost if I don't do it, then it won't, not that it won't be done, but I can do it. So why not? And, 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 you know, this realization has, has only happened in the last year or so during the, the pandemic was fantastic for me because it, it made me really sit down and think about what I really wanted to do with my photography. Again, we have to make money. We have to feed my kids and all of that. But when it comes down to it, what do I want to, to look back and see that I've accomplished with my work? And for me, it's that we elevate the family photograph from being just about milestones and being just about yeah, about milestones, but also being about our ordinary, beautiful lives. I, I just, I, I love that. And I think sometimes when we have that spark, we know, like, it sounds like you have that desire, you have that spark, you have the vision. Those are important things to listen to. It does mean that something is calling you to that and to be able to, to bring that to life for other people. Absolutely. So are there any situations with your documentary photography that you hesitate or that you question picking up your camera? With my family, I never hesitate. (laughs) Well, I'm very considered in the sense that, like, I know what I want to capture and I I don't necessarily share everything. I've started sharing less and less because I have a love-hate relationship with social media, for example. Um, so I do have like so many images that I just won't share. There's also a little bit of an, an element of imposter syndrome or whatever. Like sometimes I'm not sure of if what I've documented is of any importance to anyone. I know that it is to me, but it's almost like, well, I'll give you an example with this is home. I, I start, that's my um, project with my family. I started it just as a, a way to document our lives post on Instagram. Then I was blogging, used the images on my blog. And then after a while, I realized, oh, I love this. And I'd be deliberate about this and make a proper project of it. But I never thought to put it on my website or post it anywhere or, or that anyone would care beyond my family. But only like, like I said, like last year, and that's when I started to realize that, oh, look, what I'm doing for my family is, is, is important not just for my family, but for my community, for the world, for the future. And so I wanted to take that and do it for not just my family, but for other families. 
So to answer your question, no, <laughs> there is nothing that, like I said before, I'm all about balancing what I, sh- the visuals that I'm sharing. I'm not about sharing only like difficult moments, for example, or like sad moments and just happy moments. I want to capture every, like the length and breadth of of everything. I don't have a lot of experience doing documentary the way that I do it for my family, for other families yet. But maybe ask me this question again <laughs> when I've had loads of experience and see if there are certain things that I just st- have to stop myself from documenting. Sorry, I've waffled on. <laughs> no, you haven't. It's You're right. I do, I do think it is different when you're documenting your own family because you yeah. know your family's boundaries. You know what is comfortable to shoot versus sharing. But when you're documenting somebody else's family, you're having to build a lot of trust with them. And they're mm-hmm. ha- you're relying on them to sort of show you what their boundaries are, I guess, in a exactly. way. Exactly. Because I've done mostly lifestyle um, sessions for other families. People do have an idea in their minds what they want the images to look like, especially when they're going to share it on social media. I've worked with a few influencers. It's, it's really about the image they want to um, portray to the world. But I'm always about the portrait, the images that you don't think about now, because you won't appreciate, you might not appreciate them now, but you will one day when that's the only visual of that moment that you have, if, if that makes any sense. For example, I remember doing a session for this family and the mom was in her towel and, you know, her bonnet and she was brushing her daughter's hair. And I'm thinking, I'm going to take that picture. I know she's never going to post it. <laughs> she might maybe one day but I know it's probably not the image that she would post but I think she'll appreciate it like if she doesn't then her daughter will appreciate it someday and I took it anyway of course they never posted it they never posted a lot of the pictures anyway but it doesn't matter I know I've made that image I, and I know that it's there somewhere for them to to go back to one day and they will and I hope that they'll think of me when they do <laughs> And I think those are the moments, there's one, one of your photos, that's one of my favorites. And I think you're almost like sitting on the edge of a bed. And I think you're combing your daughter's hair and your son is like off in the background a little bit. What struck me was the everyday beauty and the love and the caretaking. And the fact that at some point your kids can look back and what they're going to see is how much you were loving and caring on them in that moment, even though it's an everyday moment that you probably do all the time, but that's the same thing as the mom in the towel combing her daughter's hair. To Mm -hmm. me, it's the everyday moment that probably doesn't seem important at that, at that time. But then 10 years down the road, when Mm -hmm. her daughter doesn't want help anymore, or her daughter Mm -hmm. is moving out of the house for either one of them to be able to look back and just remember. And like I said, I'm very much influenced by those sorts of images. Those are the images I love because those are the images I would have loved to see of my own childhood, of my own relationship with my mom and my dad and my siblings. And um, that's what really drives me. I didn't even realize that that's what was driving me until I, you know, I had to sit down and think. I'm like, what is it? What is it? What is, what is it about these sorts of images that I love? And that's it. It's because I don't have those images. I'm almost like, ah, this is my way of making up for that. You recently went on a trip back home that I know you shared a little bit of on Instagram as well. When you go back home, do you feel like you're trying to make up for some of those moments as well? 
with shooting with your family that's there. Like you had a picture you shared, I think, of your mom in the kitchen. How is she um, tolerating the camera? What does she think she about, about that? <laughs> I think my, my, my family is so used to me now. Everyone's just like, yeah, here she comes with her camera. Oh no, bring your camera. Actually, you know, it's like... I'm the camera, I'm the documentarian, I'm known to do that. I think with my family back home, it's even harder because I don't see them often. So this time was the first time in three years that I'd seen my family. Yes, I was frantically trying to capture the memories that I haven't been able to for the last three years. But it's hard because I'm trying to live in the moment as well. So there was a lot of images I didn't make. And I came back and I was beating myself up for a while because I was like, oh no, I did want to make that image and I didn't. And I regret it because I don't know when next I'm going to see them. But hey, I made some. (laughs) Yeah, so there's always that like struggle between living in the moment and capturing the moment. I don't think it's something I've managed to balance well yet. I'm trying. And doing this project with my family does give me practice doing that. But honestly, it's hard. It's even harder with my family who I don't get to see often. I feel that way with my mom and my sister. I, I usually see them about once a year. I find myself having that same push and pull when I'm when I'm with my mom. I want to capture pictures of her with my son and I want to be in photos with her, but yet I also just want to enjoy that time because it is rare. And so I want to soak in those moments and I want to be there in the moment and not be looking at it through the lens of my camera. Yet I want to have those memories to look back on as well. So I can relate to that. It's really very tricky. (laughs) It is. So what are some of the barriers that you've come across with your documentary work? I feel like you've already talked about a little bit, maybe this push and pull is one of them, but is there anything else as you think about your projects, your collections, or overall your documentary work that you feel like is something that you have had to really stretch yourself with or push yourself with? I think over the last year or so, I've been putting myself out there is a bit tricky for me. And I do need to put myself out there so that I, well, the work that I'm doing is seen so that I can get other opportunities I otherwise wouldn't be able to access. I feel like there are lots of projects in my head that I would love to do. So I'm now this place where, yes, I want to make money from doing family shoot, but I also want to do personal projects, projects that I've set for myself that requires money. (laughs) So a lot of the time I need to put myself out there, apply for things, apply for grants. That's sometimes very hard for me because I I feel like I'm lacking the confidence because I feel like I haven't done enough. This is another reality of motherhood because I spent a lot of time being a mom the last six years or so. I feel like I don't have some experience that other people have. Sometimes it's, it's it's a lack of confidence, putting myself forward for things, applying for grants, putting myself forward for awards. And um, this last year has been really good. I've done that a lot more and I hope that I continue to do that. Even even he- being here talking with you, I wouldn't have done that before. <laughs> like, I don't want to, I don't know what to say about my work. But the more I talk about it as well, the more it makes sense to me what I'm doing and why I do what I do. <laughs> and what I want to do next. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yes, it does. I do think that the more we talk about our work and taking that time to be reflective on our why, why do we pick up our camera? What are we hoping to say with our stories? What's the purpose behind this? Those do help us sort of come up with more of that like artist statement or artist vision that then would help with some of the things that you maybe are thinking about applying for. And I'm so glad you said yes, because (laughs) I was so excited to be able to talk to you because I just absolutely love your work. And I 
I mean, have already expressed all of that, but I, I'm really glad that you said Thank yes you. and were able to come and, and share a little bit about what drives you to pick up your camera. And I loved hearing what you're hoping might be coming up in the future. And I think that you've got some really strong ideas that I hope you can continue to move forward on. Yeah, absolutely. There was one more project I wanted to talk about that I hadn't, which is the one in my village in Nigeria. So with that project, that was, I think that was the first project that I did that made me realize that documentary is probably the direction that I wanted to go to versus say like fashion or anything like that. And any, any of the ones that I explored during my, my, my BA. So that was my, one of my final projects. I went home, my village where my parents come from in Nigeria I spent a couple of weeks just documenting the, pe- the place and the people. A lot of them are actually my family members. I have a massive extended family <laughs> because polygamy, you know, my grandparents are polygamous, you know, several wives, several grandchildren, great grandchildren. So massive, massive family. We also come from this culture where cousins are referred to as siblings. Family is everything <laughs> for us. And so I went home, spent this time. My dad and my mom, they you know, drove me around, talked to people, took pictures of them and made a book out of it. This is a project that I would love to go back and continue or finish. I don't know if it's ever really finished, if projects are ever really finished, but I would love to go back and use the experience that I have now. And I'm a much better photographer than I was then. I'm a much better communicator, you know, so I would love to take all of that and and go back and capture more stories, make another book or I don't know, an exhibition, do something more with it. Because again, I have this thing where I feel like if I don't do it, then who's going to do it? There might be someone who will eventually come and do it, but then this moment in time will be missed. And so since I have the privilege to be able to see and and document it now, then I must do it. <laughs> I want to go back <laughs> and do that. It would be really neat to see what it looked like 10 years ago versus what it looks like now, both yeah. from your photographic voice and how yeah. maybe you have changed and grown, but yeah. also just how the people have changed and grown. Again, I don't know if you read the blurb that I wrote on my website. A lot of the villages are becoming towns where there were no roads before. There are road, hard roads now. There's electricity. People have mobile phones. You know, it looks nothing like it did when I was was little. Again, yeah, it would be amazing to look at pictures from 10 years ago and then look at what they look like now. Just like you said, both from my own photographic perspective, my voice, my growth and all of that. But also, yeah, the physical changes that have happened, you know, people that have died. And oh, gosh, you're giving me a lot to think about now. This is one of those things I would love to go back. But it's putting myself forward to get the funding, be able to go back and do things like that. And it, and it's almost like, wait, I overthink a lot and I'm like, oh, would it have the same importance to other people as it does to me? Who cares about my little ethnic group in Nigeria? I think one of the things is like that is where your family is from. You get mm. to go back and visit. Like you said, a lot of people in that first set of photos are your family. Mm. But for somebody like me who has never been there before, you're giving me a window into what that world looks like. It might mm. feel every day to you because your family grew up there, because you're familiar with it. They're people that you know, but it's not every day for me. And so it it is, I think, an important story to tell. And I think it's an important way for us to continue to be able to learn from each other. And while I would love to travel there at some point, I don't know if that will happen for me. So I do think there's an importance there. It gives the people in that town a voice. It gives them a way to tell their story. Mm -hmm. And it gives a way for you to share about somewhere that you love 
that is very familiar to you. And so you're going to tell it in a different way. Like you said, you're not sure who else would do it. Well, even if somebody else came in and they were from the outside, from a different town, a different city, a different country, they're not going to tell the story the way that you will with your familiarity with the place and with the people. And so I feel like you have that like natural ability to bring a perspective to the story that nobody else can bring. Yes. I appreciate you saying that. And those are the things that I try to remind myself of when I have those moments of doubt, moments of, um, lacking confidence or um, not believing in myself that I think a lot of us seem to have. Because <laughs> um, whenever I talk with other photographers, it, it just seems like that must be something that is very, um, maybe it comes with the creative <laughs> spark that we have. It's, it's also that self-doubt. And I think what's familiar to us becomes our everyday. And we forget that there's this whole world out there of people who aren't in the same place. So I think we also kind of tend to get in our little areas where we think, well, this is my everyday. This is where my family's (laughs) from. Who wants to see this? I begin to take it for granted. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I feel like that happened during the pandemic because we were locked down for several months. I'm running the same routes, walking the same routes with my kids. We're doing the same things. But then I would post on Instagram where I'd I'd gone for a a run and everyone's like, oh my God, it looks so beautiful. I live in, in, I live in, in London where I have no access to nature like this. And I'm just like, hmm, (laughs) I didn't think about it like that. But yes, you know, you do get used to your everyday and it doesn't seem as special anymore. But then seeing it through other people's eyes, I think that's what's happened to my work in the last year that's made me realize what I'm doing is, is more important than I set out to do. And I mustn't stop doing it. Right. And the the Nigeria project, I think too, like when you're talking about how there's roads there that weren't there before, or they have cell phones now they didn't have before. I think too, just there's this importance in the cultural piece of like, how is time moving us all forward? Because there's going to be sort of those common similarities of how different things, how technology impacts us all. Mm. But the documentation of how time has moved that town forward, how the possibly improved Improvements have changed the mm-hmm. town life and have were they really improvements to add in cell phones or not? So I just I think there's so many different ways you could look at that story that could bring mm-hmm. so much value to other people that you could share it with. So Absolutely. but yes, I, I wanted to come back and talk about it just because it's it's one that, that I really am passionate about and I just need to go back and, and finish it again. It's like you said, one what are what are the difficulties? Funding is is a massive one when you want to do documentary project, personally assigned project, where is that money gonna come from? from is it from your um savings oh god <laughs> you know is it that is that with the anticipation that you might do an exhibition or publication or something that might make money back we don't like to talk about money but that's really a very important aspect i still have kids to look after so no matter how much i want to do this work funding is, is is a massive 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 barrier and again there are lots of opportunities out there and if there's anyone listening thinking oh, i want to do this project and that there's so many opportunities out there it's, it's you going and looking for them and then putting yourself forward word for them. And don't be afraid. I'm I'm talking to them as much as I'm talking to myself. (laughs) Don't be afraid to put yourself out there. There's no other way around it. Yes. And I agree with you that the the confidence and the fear can sometimes hold us back. Um, And I do think that there could be a little bit of that creative piece of that. And sometimes I think when we're maybe moving into new ground, Hmm. there's also 
if you're not seeing a lot of other people do something, you're wondering, is there an audience for this? Does somebody want to hear this story? Mm -hmm. But I think if you have that spark and that desire, then that's a really good sign that it's an important story that needs to be told. And so just moving forward with your vision and not worrying about whether other people are are doing something or whether they're on the same path is is important. Again, speaking to myself as well. (laughs) It's easy to come up with the projects. I'm I'm like you. I have a lot, always feel like I have a lot of different projects and ideas in my head. But then trying to figure out the time and the money, those those resources that we need mm-hmm. to be able to move forward to bring those projects to life can definitely be real barriers that we've yeah. got to figure out how to cross over. Yeah. And I think if we talked about motherhood again, that's a massive, massive thing. The liberty I would have had, I had then to just travel and, and be there for several weeks. It's not the same now. I have to think about like my kids' school. Could I go during summer holidays? Summer holidays are some of the most expensive times to travel. When? When am I going to be able to do it? So yeah. Once when you mentioned time. So it's money, it's time, it's oh, it's it's so many things. But gotta find a way to get over all these obstacles and, and do the work. Yes, yeah. definitely. I hope that you will, because I would love to see the follow-up to <laughs> what you what is currently on your website. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Is there anything else new that you've been working on that you want to share with us before we wrap up? Yeah, new wish. So with my motherhood photography, I, I already kind of mentioned that I, I wanted to do that project where I gave Black mothers the platform to share their stories. I was supposed to start it last year, but you know, last year never happened. <laughs> it's my hope that I can get some funding that will help get that off the ground this summer and I can start putting that project together. It's called Offspring. I don't know if that title is going to change, but that's the title that came to me when I was thinking about it. Offspring as in the child, but Offspring as in the result of something so the result of that transition into motherhood and so the whole the whole idea behind the project is to take the visuals of the traces of motherhood the stretch marks the scars and put them with the stories of moms and again with the focus on mental health um, physical health the kinds of things that we generally wouldn't share because we were raised to never wash our um, dirty linen in public and and all of that stuff but being very 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 particular not to share only the bad things, you know, but also the joys. Because I think the world we are now, it's very easy to sort of like, you're either sharing the super cool, you know, Instagram, everything's pretty and polished and everything. Or, you know, we're going for the really gruesome, I like balance. (laughs) Again, that's a word that's come up a lot in this conversation is I I, I want to see both sides of the story. I want to see that you you had stretch marks and scars and you had a cesarean emergency, you had gestational diabetes, high premises, whatever. But I also want to know about how motherhood changed you for, for the better. I want to hear too how, what regrets or anything you have, but you know, I want to hear all, all dimensions of, of the story. So that's, that's that project. And I'm hoping that I'll have lift up for that in the next few weeks and really get going because again, it's things that keep me up at night. <laughs> it's the work that I really just want to get done. I feel like this is one of those ones that will be ongoing maybe for years to come, but I want to get going. I want to get sharing. I love the idea when you describe like the stretch marks and the scars, showing the strength behind those. Like you said, it doesn't have to be like this dark and sad. It can be a beautiful place of strength. For me, truth is the truth. It is what it is. You know, a lot, a lot of things happened for that to happen. Let's hear it. Let's Let's hear the truth. Very important for me. Like you said before, yeah, we're sort of all taught not to talk about certain things or... They're important stories that... um, And I'm also very keen, I I should add this to 
tell stories that aren't just the normal stories that we hear in terms of like who they're coming from. I love that. I think you're just the person to tell it because I think even just the desire to heal, hear people's stories is going to open that door. People are going to want to tell you, they're going to want to share their experiences. And I think it's going to really highlight some good conversations or get some good conversations started, I should say. I hope so. Thank you so much for taking this time in your evening to join me and talk about your art and your work and your passions. I just can hear it in your voice when you talk about it. And I look forward to seeing what you're going to bring next, because I know that you've got great things still to come to add to your beautiful current body of work. Thank you so much, Allison. It's been awesome talking to you. Tell everybody where they can find you. So um, my website is www.imharuna.com and I'm on Instagram at imeiko, I-M-M-E-I-K-O and same on Twitter, not really on Facebook. (laughs) You might find me there, but I don't really post anything. But yeah, I'm, I'm more on Instagram. I tweet sometimes too. And I know everybody's going to go and look at all of your beautiful work and I will link everything up in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, I would absolutely love it if you would take a screenshot to share on Instagram. Tag me and Mercy so we can see it and hear how it inspired you. I've also been told that reviews and ratings are super helpful to get the podcast out there for other listeners who might enjoy it like you did. I read and so appreciate each and every one. So if you have a minute, I'd be super thankful if you were willing to give the podcast five stars and let me know what you're enjoying about it by leaving a review. Thank you for being here with us today. Mm